glass, ice, pour. Hello, friends, and welcome to Whiskey and Rye. I am your host, Ryan Charles Brown. It is good to be back with you. Thank you for joining me on another episode as I walk down this path uh, supporting healthy masculinity. I appreciate you joining me on my quest to do that. Uh, it feels good to be recording another episode. I am uh, actually recording here at night, finally. Um, <clears throat> I used to record these episodes at just totally random times. I would record during the day, uh, I'd record during uh, my son's naps, um, I'd record at all sorts of random times. And because of that, I was never, uh, it wasn't really always a good idea to actually drink any whiskey because uh, I normally would be having to drive somewhere afterwards or have to work or something like that. But um, one of the things I've been trying to focus on with you know this new season and, and putting out more content uh, regularly is is actually having a set time to do this, and so I looked at my schedule, and I realized that you know nighttime is probably a better time for me to do this. I, I'm done with my things for the day, uh, so I can really just focus in and uh, just just enjoy getting to record these episodes. And if I have a guest to interview, I can actually just be present with my guest, uh, which I'm excited about. So uh, it feels good to be recording here again at night. Um, I'm going to be doing just a uh, uh, one of our four segment episodes this week. So I'm going to be talking about some different things um, that that I've been uh, that I've been thinking about. Um, but uh, so two episodes are going to be coming out this week. One uh, just me, and then uh, I'm going to be having a guest uh, interview that I'm going to be uh, really excited to put out uh, here in a couple weeks. I'm going to be interviewing my wife Jeanette, um, and we're going to be talking about partnership. Uh, just this past weekend. Uh, her and I had the opportunity to go to a really incredible um, conference where uh, we learned about partnership and we learned uh, some some great things to um, just help you uh, think about how you can show up as your best self. So we're going to talk about some of those things today. I'm going to share some of the things that I learned, but Jen uh, and I are going to go deep in that. So uh, I look forward to sharing that interview with you in a couple of days. Um, and then just last thing I wanted to update you all on is uh, we do have the Patreon now, um, which is great. Uh, I am really appreciative to the folks that have joined on so far and just want to uh, encourage anyone who is listening to become a founder. Uh, that's a great opportunity for you to help me get these podcasts out with some sort of regularity. Uh, right now, I'm kind of doing them as I can. I've, I've scheduled out the next um, 12 episodes for this season, so uh, I kind of have a rough idea of when they're going to come out and who's going to be on them and the different content and things like that. But um, if we can find, uh, if we can get ourselves to 80 founders at the $25 level, I'll be able to put out one podcast per week. And so that's really my goal right now um, is to get to that, uh, to get that 80, 80 patrons. So um, if you have been following this show regularly, uh, if you are someone who finds that you are wanting to support healthy masculinity in a tangible way, um, one of the easiest, best ways you can do that is by becoming um, a patron to the Whiskey and Rye page. And right now you have an opportunity to be a founder. The first 80 people to 
to get us um, to that level to where I'm putting out one podcast a week. Uh, those founders, you're going to, you're really going to, you're going to have access to a lifetime of content, to be honest. Um, the founders are going to be people who are going to uh, have access to, to so much more as this grows, video content and all sorts of things like that. So um, if you've been thinking about uh, how could you support healthy masculinity um, and how could you help get this conversation out, uh, please consider coming uh, coming on board and, and becoming a founder uh, at that $25 level and we can get one of these episodes out per week. Uh, that's my goal. That's what I would really like to do. And um, obviously, I'd like to grow this even more. You know, my passion for this conversation grows every single day. And as I, you know, still continue to drive for, for Uber and talk with folks about this and, and realize, you know, with all of the things that are going on in the world, that healthy masculinity is something that is so vital. Um, you know, I, I wasn't going to make a big thing about it because a lot of folks are talking about it but just recently the uh, the death of Kobe Bryant has has stirred a lot of emotions in people and a lot of people are talking about feelings and you know I think it's been interesting to see a lot of the sports stars of these big athletes uh, express their emotions and talk about you know how they have been hurt and they've been shocked and all of these things that they're processing and they're very open with that and um, so I think uh, if we were to see this type of emotion and in this type of uh, you know expression of emotion from men um, more often, I just think, wow, what, what type of, uh, world would we live in? I think it would be much happier. So, um, so getting this conversation out is so important, especially in times of grief, uh, and in times of sadness, um, not only just in times of, you know, of joy and happiness and, um, when, when things are good, but, but it's also important to get this conversation out, um, at all times. So, um, one, one of the things I'm thinking about, how, how can I make this conversation, um, a, a little bit more regular? Cause you know, if, if people are going to be listening to this on a regular basis, they're going to be contributing to it. How can I get some sort of, um, consistency, uh, whether it be, you know, specific types of interview questions that I'm asking people, um, am I asking, you know, uh, some of the things that I like to do when I'm interviewing is I like to ask people questions um, that I've never asked them before. I, you know, Steve Balton, one of the people I was great, uh, grateful to interview in season one, you know, he said, you know, I, he's, he's an interviewer I really respect. He's interviewed tons of people that I love. And uh, so, you know, he's someone that I take advice from when I think about interviewing. And, and Steve was sharing with me that um, one of the things that he likes to do is he likes to ask people questions that he's never asked someone before. And I thought, oh, you know, that's really cool feedback. And that's definitely something that that I would like to mix into the show, but I feel like because of what we're talking about in this show, with this show, and the fact that we're focused on supporting healthy masculinity, I think I'd like to find some sort of consistency with what I ask the guests. So, um, you know, I, I always enjoy hearing from the listeners and, and for, for, for those people that I'm creating this content for. I, I mean, I'm creating it for myself, obviously, because I'm very passionate about it, but I'm also creating this for other people as well um, to learn from and to enjoy and to share with the people that they care about. So if there, if there was a question or there was something that you would want me to ask my guests like on a regular basis, I would love for you to know you can hit me up on Instagram at Whiskey and Rye Pod. You can also tweet me at Whiskey and Rye Pod. Um, I would love to know. You can send an email, um, whiskeyandryepod at gmail.com. Um, you know, just, just some ideas that you would like. Obviously, I, I sit all day and think about things that I could talk about. And I, I've come up with a couple of ideas of 
questions I want to ask people, you know, uh, just to kind of kick things off, maybe like an icebreaker, but um, would love to hear suggestions from the community. So, uh, you know, that's just something I'm thinking about as I want to move this conversation forward. And I want to find some consistency in ways that we can make this uh, a regular conversation that people can feel like they're a part of, but then not something that people just sort of passively listen to and uh, something they can actually engage with it well. So, so that's where I'm going. That's my intention. Um, one of the things we learned in this conference is how um, it's really a unique leadership style if you lead with intention over strategy. Uh, and that's something that really resonated with me as I'm thinking about how can I lead this community of men and women and um, people who don't identify as men or women, you know, um, non-gender conforming and all of these other things. How can I lead these, these, these individuals, these people that are going to be joining in this conversation supporting healthy masculinity? How can I lead them in a positive way? Uh, and I think leading with intention over strategy uh, with this type of conversation is going to produce much more fruit, fruitful results. So, um, so I look forward to leading um, through inspiration and through things that I learned from you all and just things that happen to me as I just live out every day what it's like to support healthy masculinity, which is, you know, really, uh, that's really my goal is just every, every day to live out healthy masculinity and live out a way that I can support healthy masculinity. And then finding people um, who I can interview and who can talk about that and who can also um, give me ideas and challenge me and give you uh, hopefully fun things to think about. So uh, that's my intention <laughs> and my strategy. Uh, I don't know what that is anymore. I got rid of it. Um, so I think that's everything that I want to cover for the intro. Um, I want to jump right into the, our first segment of of this episode, uh, segment one. I'm calling this segment Overcoming Mondays. Um, I think also I was going to say, you know, I do the whiskey drog, whiskey drive, whiskey road trip. I don't know about that. Um, I might have to let that one go. That might have been just a momentary one episode from Reignite the Pilot. That might not come with us. I don't know. You can let me know. Um, but I am going to take a sip of whiskey real quick. Oh, thank you, Bushmills. So this first segment that um, I want to do is called Overcoming the Mondays. And I put that in quotes. Um, because this week, I woke up on Monday with just... Just the case of the Mondays. I don't know if you are familiar with the movie Office Space. But in the in the opening, one of the opening scenes, there's this uh, this act uh, this actor who's just not having a day, and it's like, oh, it looks like you're having a case of the Mondays. And um, man, that was just me. That was me this week having a case of the Mondays. Woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Inexplicable. No reason for it. Just garbage mood. Um, and. It really bothered me because for about four Mondays in a row, I had woken up just in like a fantastic mood. I'd woken up like if Monday was Friday. I had just felt fantastic and didn't really know why. Um, I didn't really, you know, I didn't do anything going to bed the night before that would make me feel better. I didn't, you know, there wasn't anything that... Uh, there wasn't anything noticeably different about how I started those days. And so when I had this Monday, uh, just this past week when I woke up, I was like, what? Why did this happen? I was having such a good streak. Why am I having this day? So usually what would happen when I would have a Monday is the day would be shot. I uh, I wouldn't be able to recover. I would, some, just, I would just be sort of like triggered all day. You know, I'd be I'd prickly as my wife would say, I'd be prickly all day. I wouldn't, um, 
I wouldn't have any patience. I wouldn't have any compassion. I wouldn't be able to see the other side of people's stories. I was just so focused on myself and my needs and my bad mood, you know. Uh, unhealthy, toxic masculinity, if you ask me. Um, and so when when I woke up this week, and it, because I'm interested in supporting healthy masculinity, and I'm trying to be different, and I'm thinking about how all these things I can be better, I was like, you know what? This It's February. I made it through January you know, doing well, and it's February now, and I'm starting to, you know, regress into, you know, 2019, Ryan, and I was, you know, ah, it's too soon, it's too soon, and I, I have too many tools at this point to not do anything about it, I mean, I just came back from a, a wonderful conference um, that gave me all sorts of tools into helping me learn how to how to not be like this when days like this just come up because there it, it, it just happens. So I started to um, I, I started to think about what could I do to start to feel better because what I didn't want to do is just stay in this place. Uh, I was going to be home all day with my son and my wife, and I just didn't want my bed vibes to bleed onto them they were both in great moods my wife is most of the time in a good in a good mood uh unless i do something to make her mad um very rarely does is she mad about something else or just mad in general and my son is he's he's the same way like he's very much like his mom like he's just in a generally in a good mood except sometimes he's like me and he just gets spicy and he just is in a bad mood for no reason um so I didn't want to trigger him and I didn't want to trigger my wife and I knew that ultimately it, I'm up to it's up to me to fix this. There was nothing wrong. I didn't feel I got plenty of sleep, 9 hours of sleep, something like that. My wife and I went to bed early and then she let me sleep in. Uh so I got plenty of sleep. I had plenty of food. We had a great weekend. There was no reason for me to feel the way I was feeling. I was just having a case of the Mondays. So I thought, man, I should do something about this. So I did the most silly thing possible and I went on Twitter. <laughs> it's like when you're having a bad mood, when you're having a bad day, like you don't go to the place where everyone in the world is having a bad day and they're letting you know about it. Um, <laughs> so I go on Twitter and I was actually surprisingly in this instance comforted because I'm going through my Twitter feed and like the first 20 tweets I read are all people who are like, you know what, if you're just not feeling it today, that's all right. Because I woke up and I was just not feeling it today too. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. I, I energetically today, um, there are a lot of people who are feeling the way that I'm feeling. And so what this made me realize is I, I think I'm just one of these people who just from time and time again, just has a Monday. And I think that's something that a lot of people experience. But I think for me, who's someone who's freelance in a creative field, who uh, I'm dependent really on myself to 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 make all of these things happen for for my my family and my career. Uh, these are all my ideas that I'm pushing forward. No one's you know, no one's forcing me to do this. This is all coming from my passion. You know the the church projects and the the whiskey and rye. Like these are all my passions. So um, it needs to be the the work that I the content I'm creating needs to come from a wholesome place. So so what this means is having a case of the Mondays is going to really affect the content that I create. It's going to affect the community that I'm trying to lead. Um, I, I really needed to think about this. So. Uh, I realized going on Twitter that there are 
a certain number of people, most of them creatives like myself, because that's predominantly who I follow on Twitter, who just sort of feel the weight of the beginning of the week. And we start to really feel the heaviness of, of Mondays and, and of the, the sort of um, the, the, way, the weight, I already said that, but this, this, this idea of we're, we're just sort of looking at the next five days as I've got so many insurmountable things to do because all of these things are dependent on me to get them done. Like, I just don't think I can do anything. And so most of the time what I just want to do is just curl up on the couch and just binge watch Netflix for the rest of the day because I'm so overwhelmed by all of the tasks that I have at hand that I just, I can't even begin to start them. So that's what I was feeling this Monday. But again, knowing that um, these things are just created in my mind the 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 sort of fear um that that's that's keeping me from moving forward is not real um i i i was given i was given the choice to to either move forward with my day or to grab the grab grab a couch and netflix it so so i decided this monday that i was going to overcome um because what i'm starting to realize is um this conversation of supporting healthy masculinity, it seems obvious to me because I'm very passionate about it. And so I feel like a lot of people are thinking about it and talking about it. And it's like a regular thing that a lot of people are thinking and obsessing about. But I realize that's not true, that there are people that think about how they can support healthy masculinity. And there are definitely people who think about why toxic masculinity is bad and all of these other things. But in terms of like making it their life, to support healthy masculinity. There's just not a lot of folks that are out there that are doing it. Um, and so this is a unique thing that I'm doing. And so I do feel a heavy weight for the responsibility that I am, that I've picked up. I, I do, I feel that. And I think there are other creatives out there and there are other people who do, who do content creation like I do and who are freelance who just feel the weight of this Monday because we realize there's so many things to get done. So so, so what did I do? So <laughs> I did the most illogical thing that anyone could do when they're feeling overwhelmed is I slowed down. I took a minute to um, focus on my breathing and I turned to my Simple Habit app. Um, there's a lot of meditation apps out there. Headspace is a great one um, that I use for a while, but I, I like Simple Habit. It's a, it's, a, it's a good one that I use. So I went to Simple Habit and I did a 10-minute meditation um, I think I like not just on, you know, have improving my mood. That's what I did. Um, and, and really just for focusing on my breath for 10 minutes, slowing down, um, giving myself some positive self-talk, I felt so much better. Um, and so, uh, what I would usually do in this time is I would meditate and I'd be like, great. It's like a triage center. Um, I've been given my IV of meditation fluid. Now it's time to just go out and work as hard as I was going to work for the day. But I realized that I was feeling a weight from this week because I was setting unrealistic expectations about what I wanted to get done for the day. And I was expecting to get everything that I needed to get done this week on Monday. So even though I knew I wasn't going to, I was like, you need to record two podcasts today. Even though I didn't even have the equipment to record my interview. And I knew that Jeanette, uh, Jen and I, my wife, we, we knew we weren't even going to record today. I knew when we were going to record, but I still was like, you should get a jump on it. You should plan what you're going to say. Um, all of these things started to overwhelm me, and 
So I had to slow down and I had to put all of these things that I was thinking about into buckets. So all of the stuff that I needed to do for the podcast today, it went into one bucket. And all of the stuff that I needed to do for the other projects that I'm working on, the freelance projects that I'm working on and the contract projects that I'm working on in ministry and and various other things, those all had to go in their own various buckets. And I had to pick up those buckets when I could. And it was uh, my job on Monday was to prioritize the buckets. It wasn't to empty the buckets. It wasn't to just stare at the buckets and cry because I'm so overwhelmed by them. My project was to, was to organize the buckets and then prioritize them. And so that's what I did. Um, I, uh, I, I kind of set everything in, in line that I needed to, I wrote everything, I wrote some things down. I even checking my notes right here. Um, so yeah, I just wrote that I just didn't need to, I, I was pushing myself too much and I wasn't setting realistic expectations for the day. And I think that's something that not just creatives fall uh, victim to, but I think men in general, um, when they are dealing with some unhealthy characteristics, we tend to take on too much and we tend to set unrealistic expectations for ourselves. So I think the thing that I learned from having this case of the Mondays was that I, I really need to respect those days where I'm feeling like I'm having a case of the Mondays. And, and that doesn't mean that I can take every Monday off and just like not do anything. But I think I need to understand that for me, Mondays need a ramp up. Mondays need to look a certain way where I'm producing a certain amount of results, but those results look different than the results that I would produce on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And I think, again, for men our brains are, are often very results driven. So when Monday comes around and we're thinking about a big meeting on Thursday or a big meeting on Friday or a, a business trip that's coming up or anything that potential, I think about how, how often we carry these things uh, much longer than we need to. So how, lo- how much uh, of a time do we spend worrying about things so far in advance? Um, I think if, if many, if many men thought about how they felt on Mondays, they would be carrying things that they're concerned about that are way far ahead, that there's actually nothing they can really do about them right now. Just like in the case of me where I was, there was no way I was going to record my podcast, get them edited, do all the social media. Like it was physically impossible because I'm still watching our son on Monday. I still have a, a baby. He's seven. He's going to be 17 months here in like a, a week. Um, he is fully dependent on me and my wife. Uh, he can't do shit without us. Uh, he would literally just starve. So understanding the realistic expectations that I set for myself, not only as a man, but as a creative, but as a father in, in understanding what what is important because again in all these buckets that i'm sending the the two biggest buckets in my life are husband and father so those buckets have to be taken care of first and i know that's not for all men um but you're probably thinking about that at some point you're thinking about partnership and if you're not thinking about partnership i guarantee you there's someone in your life that you are a partner with so just thinking about realistic expectations and how your ability to set realistic expectations will better improve their life um not only yours. Um, so, so how, how did my day improve after I got 
all of these things done? Well, um, I was less irritable. And what that looked like is I didn't make smart-ass comments. Um, I didn't disengage. That's, that's a big one for me when I'm feeling stressed out is I disengage from my wife my son and my loved ones and I become kind of a recluse I just get trapped in my head I've talked with countless men who this is their story too they just they shut down when they feel overwhelmed or they feel like the world is caving in they just shut down Um, and so I'm no different and and so I think what what I want to offer um, is breaking down your day into buckets and the way that I don't shut down is I, is I set better, more realistic expectations for the day. Um, wh- what, what do I know that I can get done that will not make me feel like a failure, but will make me feel fulfilled? That's a question that I ask myself. I think about the low-hanging fruit. What are the easy things that I can get done? Things maybe that I've been avoiding because once you, you know, you get some momentum, you start working, you're like, all right, I'm going to work for one hour. And then that hour is done. If you focus intently for one hour, then that hour is done. Now you're like, well, all right, I think I can maybe do a little bit more. And so you might end up only working for an hour and 45 minutes when you wanted to work for five hours. But imagine if you single focused yourself for an hour and 45 minutes, what you could get done as opposed to just doing nothing at all even laser focusing yourself for an hour, you're going to get something done. Um, and, and so for me, that was what I needed to do, um, was just do something, get something done. So I thought about the low hanging fruit, the things that would be easy to do, the things that would make me feel fulfilled and things that would make me feel like a sense of pride in myself. Um, and I did those things. And so, um, what this gave me access to is this gave me access to a much healthier, happier version of myself than had I not meditated, uh, kind of placed things into buckets, set better expectations for the day and took care of like the low hanging fruit, the easy stuff. Had I not done any, had I not done any one of those things, the, the chances of me making a snipe comment to my wife or not having patience with Reese or doing it, just they grow and grow and grow the more t- the more of those things that I don't do. So I actually want to give myself some credit for doing even just a couple of those things. And, and so what I encourage men to do um, when you are feeling overwhelmed on a Monday is to just pick one of those things that I talked about, meditation or, or focused breathing or making a list of things you want to do or setting better expectations for the day or pick one of those things um, and just try to try to do those Um, and just see how that slight adjustment would help your Monday and then once you get through the Monday you know Tuesday Wednesday Thursday it all kind of just spirals um, and builds that momentum off it so so starting that Monday is really important and I think again not only being a creative, but being a man who is interested in producing results, Mondays are, def- are, are definitely a tough day for me. So um, I, I'm thankful that uh, this Monday uh, helped me learn something that I can share, and hopefully you'll find value in this the next time you come up with a, 
uh, a case of the Mondays, which I hope doesn't happen. Fuck, fuck, man, Mondays suck so bad sometimes. All right. So when we overcome our Mondays, we can show up as our best self. And I say we, uh, I'm talking about men. Um, individuals, though, humans, we're all, anybody who can overcome something, you can show up as your best self. But I want to talk about what what happens when men show up as quote unquote their best selves um what what do what do people have access to when men can show up their best selves um and i think one of the one of the ways to start to think about this is well how do men how do you even show up as your best self like what is i don't even know like me i didn't know what my best self was until I, until I start, until I actually like thought about it, which I know sounds silly, but like, you don't think about what your ultimate happiness is until you actually start to think about what your ultimate happiness is. Right. And like for me growing up, ultimate happiness and and what you wanted, that was always kind of weird because it was sort of tied up with your salvation and heaven and Christianity. And so like when I was a kid, my ultimate happiness was like going to heaven because going to heaven everyone loves you and accepts you right so so if you psychoanalyze that my ultimate happiness is is ultimate acceptance and being accepted by everybody um but (laughs) that is unrealistic and never going to happen and i'm 36 years old and i've spent 30 well however long i've been consciously trying to do this i'm sure i was doing it subconsciously but however long i've been consciously doing it 20 probably some years been trying to get everyone in the world to like me and that's just it's exhausting and impossible um so not only will not everyone like you but even the people that do like you they're not going to look after your needs in the same way that you will And I think that's one of the key components to men showing up their best self that I'm trying to get at is honoring your own needs is men are terrible at, we can be, we can be terrible at honoring our own needs. And I will say for me, I was terrible at honoring my own needs. Um, I never was able to ask for what I needed. I never gave myself time off. I was a very, I was a very consequence oriented person. I was a works based person. Again, a lot of my faith was brought up in this. Um, you had to earn things. You had to earn God's love. You had to earn your salvation. You had to earn all of these things. Well, now I know I didn't have to earn anything that I've had all this stuff all along. And so do you, even if you don't believe it. Um, I believe that we all have it, whether we want it or not. Um, and so for me, just a bit of a tangent here for me religion and church is a messy place for us all together to work out our own individual light that god has given us um and so when i talk about church stuff and ministry that i work on that's what i'm talking about i'm not a i'm not a hellfire and brimstone guy i'm a there's a seat at the table for everybody so let's build a bigger table which is something that a lot of evangelicals have stolen and i think it's Oh, so frustrating, but there are people that I respect that still say build a bigger table. So let's build a bigger table. Anyway, granting our own needs is something that's really important and is vital for showing up as your best self if you're a man. Um, so, but what does that look like? What does how does one begin to honor their needs? 
Well, I think there's a couple of ways to do it. But the one of the first ways to do it is to think about the things that you don't give yourself and, and think about why you don't do that. For me, that looked, I didn't give myself time off. That was the biggest thing I would withhold from myself. No, that was the second biggest thing I would withhold from myself. The biggest thing I would withhold from myself was positive affirmation, positive self-talk. It didn't matter what I accomplished for the day, what I would pull off, what sort of unbelievable feat of human whatever I would pull off for the day. I still would close my eyes thinking I wasn't enough and thinking I could have done more. Um, and even to this day, you know, I have to sometimes take an inventory of what I did that day to actually believe like to actually feel like I was worth it because other times I feel like I just didn't do anything, even though I did a lot, you know, and I think about like, wow, like some days I, you know, I cooked, I cooked so many meals for me and for Reese and, and for Jen and I did laundry and I did grocery shopping and I did creative projects and I had meetings and I helped someone with this and I did, you know, I did, I did 20 good things throughout the day. And then I did, oh, but I, you know, I lost my, I lost my cool on the road and, and gave someone the finger, you know, I'll do a hundred things good in a day that are so, that just show how much I care about humanity and how much I care about other people. But I'll do one thing that's human that we all do. And I think it's that all that hundreds of things you did was worthless because this is who you really are. This is, you're really this person, this ugly person deep down inside you. And, you know, that's not showing up your best self is, is believing in those things, uh, believing in that negative self-talk of, you know, you're not, you're not good enough. Uh, but, but that voice came from a lack of, uh, identifying my needs in, in identifying that I would need rest and that I would need food and that I would need, um, you know, sex from my partner, my wife, you know what I mean? Like I need these things. Uh, and, and I would, I wouldn't talk about them and I would just say like, well, someone will see that I need rest and give me a day off. And, um, you know, someone will, see that I don't have a lot of money and come buy me a delicious, you know, meal because I'm tired of cooking spaghetti and eating rice and beans, you know, for the fifth day in a row. Um, I expected people to see me and expected people to see my need and my struggle. And that's just not realistic, especially as a white male. Um, we all have needs. We all have struggle. Uh, it's just part of life, you know? And so, uh, for me to be so self-centered and so self-focused uh, was really just very immature. So, so for me, um, showing up my best self and for granting myself the the thing that I need, you know, I wrote down some things I need. Free time is a big one. Uh, just time for myself, time to think about things. I love thinking about ideas. Most of my ideas are how I can help people and how I can better the world. And, and that's honestly what I spend most of my time thinking about. How can I help out people that I know? Uh, I get emails and I think, who can I send this email to who it would benefit from? Like I just, I'm a connector. It's one of my Gallup strength finders. I just enjoy connecting people, helping people out. So having free time just to think about these things and just spend time with people and just be free to say, you know what, I'm going to watch 
10 episodes of Parks and Recreation today because I just need it. You know, having that free time to do that is so important to me. That helps me show up as my best self. And part of what that means is I've learned to not have, I've learned to not justify that and say like, oh, well, you need it because of this. It's like, no, no, this is something that you need, then take it because it's important. So just take that need. So that's an important thing that's important to me. Um, going to movies uh, is something that's important to me. Um, having meetings with people. Uh, I'm, I'm in the process of, of planting a church in Sherman Oaks. You can talk to me about that if you have any questions. Uh, but I have a ton of meetings with people about what does it mean to plant a church and why the hell am I even thinking about planting a church and what type of church are we going to even be? Uh, I have tons of meetings with people about that. I have meetings with people about whiskey and rye. How can we better support healthy masculinity? What type of partnerships are out there that we could that can help just rocket this message and get it out there in front of more people because I believe so much in it. Uh, those meetings, those meetings fill me up. Whiskey, whiskey definitely fills me up. Going out with a friend and just like drinking um, some whiskey and, and just having a good time, that that fills me up so much. So, so these things, um, I've learned to honor them. I've learned to honor myself in them. And, um, and, and in doing that, I've, I've learned a healthier version of my masculinity um, and I'm able to show up the best time for myself. But these things take, they take intention to do it. So, so I, I, you know, I wrote down here, like, when do I do these things? Can I do them all the time? Absolutely not. Oh, I want to say a big one. A big one for me that's a need is going to the barbershop. Um, I think I've talked about that a little bit. Barber, the barbershop for me is a spa day. I'm only there for about 45 minutes. Um, but it's just for me to the whole experience that I get here at the parlor barber in LA quick shout out to those guys um the experience that I get the breakaway that I get the relief that I get is something that is just vital to my it's vital to this work that I do um this barbershop gives me an opportunity to talk with other men about the topics that I'm talking about I get feedback from them I talk with them about these things um but we talk about whatever we want and it gives me the opportunity to just be around other men be in a safe space um drink a little bit and uh just get a sweet haircut so um but so so all of this to say like I schedule these things and I make time for them because it just doesn't happen. If you don't make time for it, it just doesn't happen. If you don't schedule time for yourself, no one is going to come up and say, hey, you know, you've been working real hard. Why don't you take a day off? Not going to happen. Um, you're going to work for someone else. And that's just, if you work for yourself, even if you work for someone else, most of the time people aren't going to tell you to take time. You need to know your boundary for yourself. So scheduling in these things is, is, is just so important. And that takes communication, which is hard. It's hard for men to ask for what they need. Um, and the thing, the thing that is interesting, though, that I want women to know, as women who are listening to this, is that men, we can t- the, men, the men in your life, we can tell you what we need. We know what our needs are. We just don't know how to tell you what they are. We don't know how to ask for them, but we know what they are. We know what our needs are. We can communicate them. We just don't know how. So, so if, you, if you are a woman and you have a man in your life and you're thinking, how can we maybe work this out? Um, find a way for him to find out for himself how it can be safe for him to ask for what he needs. Um, I don't know what that'll look like, but for most men, it's just something as simple as asking a question. Um, but be prepared 
to hold the space for whatever they said because when you ask men questions and they are vulnerable with you that is a very sensitive time um and for me for me i am just as vulnerable asking for what i need as i would be like taking my shirt off in front of a you know, at like a public pool or something like that feels just as vulnerable to me. Uh, I feel so exposed when I ask for what I need. Um, it's actually probably harder for me to ask for what I need. If someone came to me and said, I will give you a million dollars to either ask for what you need every single time for the rest of your life, or you can streak once down the state mid court of the Staples center during the Lakers and the Clippers game. I would probably streak down midcourt. Like it would honestly, it would be easier for me to get naked in front of a bunch of strangers and run around and act crazy than to actually physically sit down and ask for what I needed every single time. So just <laughs> sit and think on that for a little bit. Um, and I think, but I think most guys would feel that way too. I think most guys would feel more comfortable standing butt naked in front of a perfect stranger than going up to that perfect stranger and saying, Hey, I'm, I, this is actually, I actually have a need today that I want to express to you. Um, so, you know, maybe that's where you start with the partner man in your life who you feel that they have a hard time asking for what they need. Maybe say, Hey, you know, would you rather, uh, and, and see what happens from there. Um, so I think that's all I want to share, uh, about those two things. Um, segment three, uh, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite topics again. I'm going to talk about Brad Pitt talking about masculinity in the media. So a few episodes ago, I don't remember if it was season one or if it was, this, if it was last episode, but um, I think it was season one. I talked about Brad Pitt. Uh, he was in a film called Ad Astra, um, was a sort of heavy, a film with heavy tones of overcoming toxic masculinity, so, a film about father living up to fatherly expectations astronauts all of these types of things uh admittedly i didn't see the film um i think i said in the episode that i would see it and report back admittedly I st i've still yet to see the film um mostly because it's not on itunes yet um but i will i will see it when it does come on to itunes and I, I will um it will probably make its way into a segment on on a show here eventually but um but i was going through twitter again and I, I, uh, I came across this article uh, called Brad Pitt and the Beauty Trap, uh, written by this author named uh, Manaloha Davis. Manaloha, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Manaloha, if I pronounce it wrong, please forgive me. Manaloha Davis, uh, movie critic, author who's written uh, a few different essays and things um, re regarding movies, but um, wrote this article called Brad Pitt and the Beauty Trap. And... Uh, so before I get into the article, I want to I want to talk about Brad Pitt and his masculinity um, journey, I guess. Um, I would absolutely die, as I think any interviewer would, to talk with Brad Pitt about masculinity and about his views on anything. Um, to me, Brad Pitt, because of his mystery... And uh, because of how he has remained so kind of quiet off screen uh, about who he is, I, I would love to have a conversation with him about this stuff. So I'm sort of in a way speaking this into existence because I believe Brad will come on this show and talk with me about this at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later. But um, he's come up now. I think this is his third time he's come up on my show. And so 
before I talk about it a third time, I thought, you know, I think it's important to ask the question, is it even appropriate for us to be talking about this knowing that that his story or that that this story probably in no way comes close to the struggle that other women in Hollywood have felt, but it's being sort of parallel to it. I'm trying to say that a different way. I don't know if it's appropriate to closely parallel this story with the struggles of other women in Hollywood. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't know. I can't say for certainty that Brad Pitt has been put in questionable sexual situations and has not gotten jobs because he didn't perform some sort of sexual act or didn't do some sort of sexual thing for a producer. I, I don't know that. To bet the best of my knowledge, he's not come out and said, yes, this has happened to me. I think there are other men that have said that Terry Crews has, has talked about his platform of sexual abuse um, in Hollywood. And so I, I definitely think it's, it's important because sexual abuse is evil and should be rooted out. And the only way to root it out is for people to talk about it. And for too long, um, female survivors have remained quiet, which has allowed which has allowed it which has allowed so many things to happen um, because we don't have the ability to allow victims the a safe place to to share I mean I've I'm a victim of sexual abuse I've been sexually abused uh, three times in my life and sorry for the trigger warning on that but I have no safe space to talk about it uh, two times happened when I was very young and one time happened last year and both times when I talked about it when I was young I don't really remember what happened and this last time when I talked about it no one believed me and so so that that does parallel the stories that women have shared but at the same time as a male I still have resources that I don't believe that women victims of sexual abuse have at their disposal. I think as a man, I could raise enough hell to get attention to where as a woman, if she continued to raise hell about this, would probably be labeled in a way that is negative. I'm speculating. But just knowing how society operates and knowing how society views women who come who who come forward with sexual abuse the victim shaming would probably begin very quickly and i just i don't feel that a woman would be able to push as hard as a man to get mainstream support so i i, I don't know i i'm again i am so passionate about supporting healthy masculinity but i am a noob well no i'm a novice I don't have a degree in gender studies. I'm not uh, someone who has a ton of educational experience in this, but what I do have is a ton of life experience and a ton of conversations and a ton of just like living and being in two of the, living in two of the biggest cities in the world, both New York and now Los Angeles. I have that experience. So I know some of these things and I'm aware of some of these things. And I'm aware that we live in a time right now where it's important to elevate the stories of women and 
their survival and how they've overcome countless acts of sexual abuse. However, the men that are coming up and saying, hey, we've experienced some of these things too, I think the stories are important because victims of sexual abuse need to have a voice. And so while this this that took that that's this segment's taken a weird turn into sexual abuse i think again it's important to say hey if we're having this conversation about brad pitt talking about toxic masculinity in hollywood from a male standpoint i think it's important to note that i don't i, I don't know i don't know if it's good to closely parallel these stories i'm not sure so that's not what i'm trying to do i'm not trying to parallel these stories um but I do find it interesting that in this article, the author talked about how early on in Brad Pitt's career, they referenced the movie Thelma and Louise. Great film. But there's, there's a specific scene that if you've seen the film, even if you haven't seen the film, you probably, you probably know it. Brad Pitt shirtless cowboy hat with a hairdryer simulating a robbery. Uh, and this was, this was a, a very interesting part of the movie because Brad Pitt's character was not intelligent. He was a robber, kind of dumb. Again, just basically there, it seemed like he was there for his looks. And then the scene with the shirt off, and now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden Brad Pitt's character it takes a different toll. And so this, 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 um, this article goes in to talk about some of the other roles that Brad Pitt did from there on out and how they seem to focus more on his physical appearance and less on his acting ability. Now for me, I, I'm a huge Brad Pitt fan. Uh, some of my favorite films that he's done, uh, Moneyball top, probably one of the top of the list seven oh what's in the box great film uh troy which would fall deeply into the over sexualization of brad pitt however troy is a great movie um and i love the oceans films uh mainly because i think he's got a killer wardrobe but again uh sort of plays the strong silent sexy type doesn't say much um, more so there for what? Um, and so this article kind of talks about some other actors, uh, Robert Redford and Paul Newman, about how Brad Pitt was sort of this new version of them, um, about how he was sort of epitomized as this, the coolest of cats, as this article said. Just everywhere, every, guys wanted to be him, and everyone envied him, and just the coolest type of person. And so this... Um, this, this article talks about how Brad Pitt sort of epitomizes all of these characters in his latest film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which if you haven't seen that, it is incredible. My dad and I watched it over holiday break, and it is an amazing movie. Um, but it's interesting how Tarantino in this film sort of makes Brad Pitt, he kind of plays the version of himself that Hollywood has played him out to be his whole career. Just this sort of throwaway stuntman who is there 
just to kind of look at. And for me personally, I think Brad Pitt is an absolutely incredible actor. I mean, the movies that I enjoy him in are very different, vastly different from one another. And um, I personally think that uh, that his acting skills, I don't know. I feel like they may have been overshadowed based upon the fact that he that he was absolutely chiseled. I mean, if you look at him in Fight Club, I think there's an article that he came out around the time said he had 3% body fat for that movie. I mean, he's just the epitome of male masculinity in that film. But what this article talked about is how in 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 that film, he was actually more associated with men and his friends were guys and he spent a lot of time his closest relationships were with other men you know and so it, it kind of played this juxtaposition of like this sort of like hypersexualization of this man but he's closer with other men and like what does that mean and ah you know um again sort of placing brad at this at the center of this what does it mean to be a man am i a man is he the version of masculinity that men are supposed to be um but without ever really asking like hey is this you or are you okay playing this role um so it, it's interesting some of the takeaways from this article um that i do i do think his talent was um was undervalued but this article is a, is a preview to the oscars which the oscars are february 9th uh, i think this episode will be out before then um but if it's not, uh, Brad is up for uh, an Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I really do genuinely hope he wins. And I think that's what this article is getting at, too, is I really hope he wins. Because he has been, um, <coughs> excuse me, he's only won for a producer role in, in uh, 12 Years a Slave. He has not won for acting, uh, which is similar to Robert Redford, I believe, um, didn't win for acting. Um, so, so I hope that he wins and I, and I, I really do hope that, um, again, cause at Astra, you saw the, ask, uh, I haven't seen this myself, but the, 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 um, article talks about, you saw the acting chops that Brad Pitt has and he was snubbed for at Astra. So I just hope that, uh, this article, this article says, and I agree with that. I, I hope that Brad Pitt eventually is recognized for his acting skills and, and, um, Hopefully, as he moves into the second half of his career, um, he'll maybe have something like what happened with Clint Eastwood, and he's directing and being much more behind the scenes and, and really shown that he does have a, a talent for acting that goes beyond just being super sexy in movies. So, And just lastly, Brad, please come on the show. Like, please. It would be so rad. I'm speaking into existence. Um, okay. Last segment, and I'm saving the saving the most important for last because uh this uh this month february is black history month and uh to me black history month is one of the most important uh months out of the year uh pains me that it's the shortest month of the year but nonetheless black history month um is one of the most important uh months of the year and so uh, i want to talk about that for my last segment um I'm going to talk about why it's important to me. Uh, it's important to me because I grew up in middle America, predominantly white, uh, and Black History Month was, it consisted of um, watching Roots, um, reading a Martin Luther King speech or two, poem by chance, maybe, um, talking about slavery, 
how it started, how it happened. It was all my history classes. Whitewashed, that's what I'm trying to say. I had a whitewashed view of history. Slavery was slavery was an unfortunate, an unfortunate thing that happened. You know, it's uh, shouldn't happen. We're real it shouldn't happen. Uh, but that was sort of the end of it. Um, there wasn't talk about how that was the dehumanization of African Americans and how it still happens and how it's still happening. That that wasn't talked about. Um, so so in college took a African American history class um, and read um, in, uh, read an entire book of sermons and speeches and talks given by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I read Bell Hooks for the first time. Um, I I read films or I read I read books and watched films that um, that helped me see how the black experience in America has been trampled upon, how it's been raped, how it's been um, disallowed uh, as part of Western culture. African-American history has has been attempted into being assimilated with white history. Uh, Black people are here in America to support white people essentially is the history that I learned. And so Black History Month um, is, is, a, is an entire month where people can break down that narrative. And I even just realized I was looking down from the camera like I was just so ashamed. I carry so much shame for how little I cared about Black History Month for most of my life. It's very shameful. Um, but this is an entire month uh, of dedicated time to reflect on how African Americans have helped shape America to to how it is today, and I don't mean that in the negative ways, but I mean that in the positive ways, the cultural influences and so forth. Um, but I think it, going beyond that, Black History Month is a time to think about how um, Black people have affected world history, and thinking about the the Black leaders who have changed the world for better, not just the the Reverend Kings. Um, but Nelson Mandela, um, Octavia Spencer, um, just so many, so many people who laid down their lives um, so that others could see a better future. And that's, that's world history. That's not just American history, it's world history. Um, Africa was and still is its its own its own culture that was existent before it was taken by white people and it continues to thrive today um but it thrives much in the shadows and in the in 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 the forgotten parts of our mind and our forgotten parts of western culture we appropriate black culture white people appropriate black culture when it's trendy uh you saw a big push um in the late 90s early 2000s uh with eminem and the success of his rap career 
and how uh, the appropriation of black culture just exploded in that time. And now, and now we live in a time where white people feel they're so entitled. We're so entitled. We feel we can appropriate black culture whenever we want. And unfortunately, a lot of that appropriation happens within the month of February where white people think they can quote MLK or they can detox from, you know, overly white television or overly white media for a little while. Um, but there's no real change. There's no, there's no long-term integration into understanding why black history is so important to the world. Um, and so that's why Black History Month is so important to me. I, I had 20-some years of not understanding why black history was so important to my life and why black history is so important to my son's life and why it's so vital to continue to tell stories. So that's why it's so important to me. Um, and it's shaped my life in so many ways. Um, number one is just in relationships, um, getting to know and be in relationship with people, uh, with black people and other people of color, but, uh, getting, getting to be in relationship with them and hear their experience has shaped my experience. It's shown me blind spots. Um, I read a great, great book by Austin Channing Brown called I'm Still Here. And I really recommend it, but there's a chapter she has called White People Are Exhausting. <laughs> and, um, Austin, I hear you. We are exhausting. And I'm sorry. Um, I wanted to say that as soon as I got done reading the chapter. So I'm saying it now. Um, but when I say white people are exhausting, what I mean is that white people oftentimes make it our, we oftentimes make it our platform to find black people to teach us about our blind spots. And we ask them to teach us about things that we should already know and teach us things that we should teach ourselves. Why is slavery bad? Why did slavery happen? Why is systemic racism still a problem? These are all questions white people expect black people to answer for us. And it's inappropriate. And it's oppressive. And so um, being in relationship for people of color, and I've heard this from them, for, for black people, people of color, to be in relationship with white people is exhausting. It's exhausting because we have latent racist tendencies as white people that we don't know about. We say things, predominantly it's our words. We say things that are racist or that have latent racist tendencies and we just don't realize it. Uh, it's a blind spot. And thankfully I've been in relationship with enough people of color that they can say, Hey, <laughs> that's not appropriate. Or, Hey, that's, that made me feel a certain way. And this is why. And so learning, to, learning from those mistakes and being able to sit in that tension and realize that I messed up has been so beneficial to my life. Um, because now it's I catch myself. I catch myself before I say those things. I'm not perfect. I still say things. Uh, but I don't want it to seem like I'm just in another way having my, my, people of, my, my friends who are people of color or, or black teaching me things. Uh, they teach me things because they, they love me and they want to be in a relationship with me. But I learn on my own. Um, and so uh, being in relationship with people of color should not involve them teaching me. And being in relationship for yourself with people of color does not mean they need to teach you things. And that's not what Black History Month is about. Black History Month is about um, honoring, honoring those people 
those those African Americans who have shaped our history. And we can do that by actually learning about them, by being in relationship with them. Who is W.E.B. Du Bois? Do you have any idea? Who are some of those figures in your life that you've read about? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, um, Mother Teresa. Um, who are these people? Michelle Obama. Who are these people in your life or that you know about that you want to be in relationship with but you don't know how? Learn. Just learn. Um, and then lastly, being in relationship with with um with african american specifically african american women has taught me about masculinity because this masculinity conversation has been championed by black women i'm going to say this again the masculinity conversation has been championed by black women black women have been saying that healthy masculinity needs to start showing up for a very very long time and black men have been doing their part for their community, but because racism is systemic, there is only so much that one group can do, especially when that one group is mostly the oppressed and not those of the oppressors. So learning about my part in the masculinity conversation and how me as a white male stepping into this space on masculinity is... Uh, is probably one of the best things that I can do to ally my brothers and sisters who've been fighting this already um, has been very inspiring to me and very meaningful and part, and part of the reason why I keep going on this. Um, I'm inspired. I'm inspired by them. I learn from them. Um, and I'm grateful to be in relationship with folks who are uh, willing to walk with me. So um, some resources that I want to share. Uh, I mentioned Bell Hooks. Read Bell Hooks' work. Um, one of my first introductions into African American literature and writing, and Bell Hooks is an absolutely amazing author. So read read some Bell Hooks. Um, I'll put uh, a link in the show notes. Um, there is a great podcast resource for Black History Month put out by the Liturgist Network called "All History Is White History" or "All History Is Black History." Excuse me. Is based on the question, is all history white history? Um, the Liturgist Network, um, but that's put out by um, Nikki Black, William Matthews, uh, Propaganda the Hip Hop Artist, and uh, Andre Henry, who is a friend of mine and who was also a guest on Whiskey and Rice Season 1. Um, check them out. And then uh, I also want to give a shout out to Andre, uh, my friend who does a podcast called Hope and Hard Pills. And I know I just promoted two other podcasts on my own podcast, but uh, the good thing about podcasts is that you can never have too many. And uh, there's a myth that people don't have time to listen to more than one podcast. And that's just, that's just silly. So um, uh, I recommend checking those out. Hope and Hard Pills is the podcast by Andre Henry. He also has a mailing list. And uh, All History is Black History is the Liturgist Network. I'll have links to both of those in the show notes. Um, so just to wrap up, um, Black History Month is very important to me uh, personally. And so um, I want to give it space uh, here on this episode. And I hope that you continue to give it space um, in your life. Um, and I, I, I hope that... Uh, 
you benefit as much as I did. So uh, cheers to that. Cheers to Black History Month. All right, my friends. Well, that wraps up segment four, which wraps up this episode of Whiskey and Rye. Appreciate you hanging with me. Uh, Appreciate you uh, following along on this journey, supporting healthy masculinity. Um, Just to run through the updates again, um, check out the Patreon. Uh, We are looking for 80 founders to get us to putting out one episode a week. Um, Like I said, as a founder, you're going to be, you're going to have access to life, uh, a lifetime access to certain things, video content, uh, exclusive content. So a lifetime access to exclusive content. If you become a founder right now, uh, this offer will not last. uh, And it is only for the 80 founders. So if you want to have access to everything, you want to have lifetime access to whiskey and rye, uh, join me right now as a founder for $25. And, uh, and let's do this thing. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the Deep West. Thank you very much to them for providing the uh, music for this podcast. And coming up next will be an interview on partnership with the greatest partner in the world for me, uh, my wife, Jeanette. Uh, so I am excited to share that episode with you just a couple of weeks. Uh, until then, my friends, uh, thank you for being with me as I take this journey to support healthy masculinity. I raise my glass to you. Cheers. <laughs>